Uh, the word of the Lord today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. It can be found on page 812 in the Row Bible. <laughs> Give me a minute. All right, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. Do this. I know we've been doing a lot of prayer, but this is one of those messages. Let's pray. God, I ask that this morning that you have mercy on me, on us, as we talk about this subject that has really been distorted and twisted, God, may we hear your truth this morning. Because ultimately, you are our judge. God, teach us what it means to seek first your righteousness and your kingdom and how that applies to this text this morning. God, may we see the gospel in this. God, give me the words, the wisdom uh, to be faithful to your words. Because we, Lord, we believe that all of Scripture is breathed out from your very lungs, your lips, and therefore are extremely important to us. They're weighty. So God, may we hear you this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, back in the the Billy Graham era, there was a verse that was uh, well-known. Whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, this, it didn't matter. You knew this from memory. And that verse was? Anybody know? John 3.16. It would be plastered in the end zones. It would be all over. It didn't matter whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. For God, that He, that, not bad. Sunday school, you all get your little gold foil stars. So that was, that was the big one. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, that was the big Billy Graham era of, man, this is what it means to be a Christian. We are now in a different time, a different era of, of postmodernity, and it has really kind of done a shift on everything. You know, we've done this whole love and evangelism kind of thing, and now we're kind of in an era where this text this morning is huge, huge. And I, I honestly, I'll just throw this out right here and put myself out there. I have even heard it from the Missio Dei family. Using this text to say, dude, you can't judge me. You, you, you can't say that. That's, that's, there's my private life, my private personal life 
And you cannot do what I do, judge me in any way in my private personal life. And I'm going, whoa. You're taking Scripture out of context and applying it so that you can have a private life and do whatever you want to do. Willy-nilly, you're free. You can do whatever you want to. But here's the thing about the Christian being a, a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as a private life. And for some of you, you're going to be uncomfortable with that because you want to go home and shut your doors and just live and do whatever. But when the gospel impacts us, it impacts us in such a way that it scatters us to be gospel livers, livers, gospel dwellers, gospel people who live into the gospel wherever we are scattered to, in your home, in your private life, in your mind. The gospel is to impact you in every way, no matter where you are. And so Jesus has some, some hard words this morning for us. And it looks like, if, if you just read that first verse, that whatever I've just said is untrue. Judge not that you be not judged. In other words, don't judge me, man, or else you're going to get judged. You're going to get nailed by God because you're judging me. So is Jesus really saying, you know what, there, I know that I have given you all kinds of filters and stuff like that, but in reality, I am totally opposed to judging. I don't want you to... I don't want you to be a critical thinker. That your truth is only relevant to you, and your truth is different than his truth, but don't judge each other. And, and as parents, if you, if you have kids, don't you dare judge your kids. Don't, don't be critical. Don't be thinking about what's right and wrong, this and that. And if you're a teacher, you know, man, you better have uh, for every student... Uh, an IEP, an individualized learning pro education program for every single kid because, you know, we don't all think the same. We shouldn't all have the same values. We shouldn't all be this. Everybody is different, and don't you judge, but cater to everybody's needs and respect it, and that's okay. Does Jesus really say, man, each person's, person's conscience should be his or her own guide? Is that what Scripture is saying? Is that what Jesus is saying that, you know, what, what, what works for, for Candace is great? And let her conscience just guide her wherever she goes. And if she's a believer in Jesus Christ, and so is Dina Anderson, and she's got a different conscience about this, and she goes this way, and they go in opposite directions as believers in Christ, is that, is that faithful? And is there a point where we can say, but this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are we allowed, are we expected to be critical thinkers? That when it comes to the gospel message, that there is something that we all agree on. And therefore, 
because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can say, man, that is it, and it is of first importance, and we will die on that hill. And because we believe that Jesus is powerful to change our lives, our, our way of thinking, our, our, even possibly our DNA, that God can change all those things. And we can agree on that, that He is all-powerful. He is sovereign over all things. That we can look at each other and with the greatest amount of love say, I am concerned for your soul. I'm concerned about your lifestyle. I'm concerned about the words that come out of your mouth. I believe that if we are truly gospel lovers, and if the gospel of Jesus Christ has impacted our hearts, and that we love the world, and that we love each other, and if we're truly a family, we need to have very hard discussions with each other sometimes. Very hard discussions. If, if you look in uh, just the, the Scripture as, as a whole, and you do a, a little search on the word fool, it comes up 118 times. Scripture has a lot to say about you idiots. This is, this is what it means to be an idiot. It's this kind of person. And if you look in Proverbs, it talks a lot about how a, a fool stands towards knowledge or a fool stands towards um, correction. Listen to this from Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. <laughs> the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. That's kind of, man, I've got my own conscience, my own convictions. I'm all good about this. Don't you tell me. Don't you tell me about right, wrong, or that I'm being unfaithful, or that that area of my life is sinful. Please don't tell me that. Don't You're being intolerant now. We have heard those words. You're intolerant. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man, a wise woman, a wise child listens, absorbs advice. It says something about the condition of the heart, doesn't it? Here's another one, Proverbs 15.5. A fool despises his father's instructions, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Someone who heeds, who receives and enters in cautiously to correction is prudent. There's wisdom there. When, when you hear from a brother and sister, brother or sister who loves you, correction you receive that, you're prudent, you're wise. Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. When, if you are a wise man, a wise woman, and you, you receive a rebuke, that's a, hey, stop. Stop doing that. And I'm going to correct you. 
You're being rebuked. You're being chastised has a really hard, but it's a, if you're a parent, you know what that means. It's a, ah, stop. You've been a kid. All of us have. You've heard your parents say, ah, don't. What are you doing? A wise man receives that and it goes deep. It penetrates our heart. So is Jesus saying this morning, don't judge? Because you're going to be judged. You judge people, you're going, to be, you're going to be judged. If we really look closely at this word, judge, it, 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 our, our English language just does not do justice to it at all. Basically, what this word uh, means, if you condemn somebody, if you, have, uh, if you are all about breaking so, you know, putting them into a whole different category. You people, you're over there. And you know what? You're hell bound. If you have that kind of a, a condemnation, that kind of a spirit, when you are talking about people, you're looking at Janae's life and you have deep concern, that's one thing. But it's a whole different thing to say, Janae Pacolic, she's one of them. She, She's... One of those people who does this, 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 and this. That is a whole different kind of category. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Do not do that. Do not put people into categories. Because what are you doing? You have become the judge. You have become self-righteous. You have put yourself above the gospel. You don't view these people as God views them. You have forgotten that great mercy has been poured out to you. That while Paul Broom was yet a sinner, while I was doomed to hell, Christ died for me. Tremendous amount of mercy was poured out on me. Somebody who was bound to hell. My life was a wreck. But in spite of that, Christ died for me. But yet, once I've been saved by grace, and I just enjoy the grace that's been poured out on me, what do I do? I forget about it, and I start categorizing people. Does that make sense? But that's what we do, isn't it? And I'll tell you, I'm like Paul. I am often the chief sinner. I am guilty of this. You start having conversations with friends, with neighbors, with, with people that, you know, pastors or whoever you mingle with. And automatically, do you start having conversation about the negative qualities of people? To a point where all of a sudden you kind of, they're in a whole different category and you, you avoid them. You, you, you have this spirit of, oh, I care about them and I'm going to talk about them. But in reality, you really don't care about them because you're not entering into their life as Christ entered into your life. He says, listen, you have it all wrong. If you are condemning people, if you are condemning people, 
you too shall be judged. You too shall be judged. The thing is, is that all throughout Scripture, we do see Jesus and the church having to make, having to make judgment calls, but not condemnations. You'll see in John 7, verse 24, John 7 says this later on, Do not judge by appearances, which often are we guilty of. Huh? Yeah. Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. If, if somebody comes in here, you know, we're already probably dressed down for a, a church, but if somebody would come in here looking really, really rough, and their language was not quite as God-glorifying as we would appreciate. Maybe you still smell a little bit of the booze from last night's uh, 21st birthday party. What, how, how are we to... Do we judge by their appearance? Or do we look at the heart? And say, you know what? That person is in dire need of the Gospel. And you know what? I'll be a gospel messenger. I'll approach this person with love and compassion, with mercy, just as it has been shown to me. It, it, you go on. But Jesus does, if you look at Matthew chapter 17, or 7, it goes on a little bit further in this. We'll see, address this a little bit later. He says, beware of false prophets. Sounds like Jesus is doing a little bit of judging himself, doesn't it? who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by what? Their fruits. By what their life produces. You'll recognize them. You'll know who they are. Just watch their life. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Jesus said, listen, you're going to have to make some judgment calls about even internally. He's talking about the teachers, the people who are teaching. And that's why listening to Brandon and listening to his life, watching his, his, his life carefully, because it portrays the doc, what he believes about the gospel, what he believes about Scripture. Is he going to be a false prophet, a false teacher? I don't believe so, but you have to be listening. You want to look at the fruit of his life. Do you see in, in Galatians 5 where it talks about what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things, these are, this is the fruit of his life. You have to be able to discern this part of the body's responsibility is also to be watching people's life and say, is the Spirit working deeply in His or her life? Is there fruit coming from it? If the Gospel has impacted him or her, we should see fruit. Matthew 18 says this, If your brother sins against you, 
There, there's a judgment call that's going on there. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. So yeah, you, me, we have a responsibility to use some discernment to be able to make some calls by looking at a person's life in light of the gospel and how the gospel has been applied to me. The gospel has been applied to me. Therefore, as I look at this person, the gospel has got to be penetrating them too. So how do I approach people? You know, and it keeps on going on and on and on. Even in Deuteronomy, there's Moses was telling the people, listen, there's certain people that you're going to have to exclude. You're going to even have to kick them out of camp. And you'll see this in, in 1 Timothy where Paul even says this. Throw this one up there from 1 Timothy 1. I urge, urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrines, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogy, which promotes speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is what? Love. Paul's charge to the elders is a charge where at its root is love. And it issues from a pure heart, great intentions, pure intentions, and a, not ma, my good and good conscience and a a sincere faith. That's what you get for copying and pasting. That's a footnote, by the way. So, as we, as a body, as a family, we work together. We need to speak to each other. We need to hold each other accountable out of a heart of love. And you know what? I expect you if there's any area in my life as a pastor that is not in line with the gospel, if you are not seeing the fruit of the Spirit being made manifest more fully and more fully and more fully, more richly in my life, I expect you to have words with me. out of love that issues from a pure heart. I expect it. But it's not a one-way street. The expectation should go across the aisles. Brother to brother. Sister to sister. Out of a heart of love. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about your lifestyle. I'm concerned about your finance. I'm concerned about your spending. I'm concerned about the words that come out of your mouth. I'm, dude, I, I'm sitting here having coffee with you, and you are, your eyes are following every woman that walks in and out of Starbucks. What's going on? I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about the lust that might be going on. I'm concerned, and I need to tell you, hey, I'm uncomfortable. What's going on? I'm concerned about your dating patterns. 
I'm concerned about your, your, your potential spouse. I am. I'm concerned about, you know, Scripture says, do not give up meeting together. I, I haven't seen you in weeks. Where are you at? I'm concerned. And I'm not doing it because I've got a checklist of do this, do this, do this. But I'm concerned because we're family. And we're, we're better together. So how do we do this? Jesus says, uh, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured against you. That's basically saying, listen, you ascribe to this judgment level. You say that this is law. This is what God believes. You're going to condemn people by this law. That same law is going to be applied to you. But, Jesus goes on in 3, 4, 5, 6 to say this is how we do with a heart of love for each other. How we have these conversations. And the first thing that He says is first, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? But you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. What, what movie? Somebody help me. Uh, where you... I squish you. You know, you, from a distance, it's like... Uh, I squish you. I, I don't know. You know, I look at Nathan's head, and then right here I can go... You know? Is that what it was? Okay. Um, I'm just going, that's what it is. Yeah. But in reality, you know, it's like if I get closer to Heath, you know, from a distance, uh, you know, I, I can really easily do this. I can, I can control him, you know, from, from a distance because it, it's at a distance. But in reality, if Heath would be right up here, it's a perspective issue, isn't it? And Jesus is saying, listen, you see that little tiny speck over there in his eyeball? But in reality, you're walking around with this great big log, which has got to be painful if you think about it. But for some reason, you don't even notice this great big log because out of your other eyeball, I can just manage to see his, his, his speck. Let me set it here and, you know, kind of check him out. Dude, I see it. I see it all over you. Let me go check somebody else out, you know. And we got this huge log. And Jesus is going, do you see how ridiculous this is? You see a tiny speck in that person's life, but reality, the sin in your own life, this huge log, is blinding you. I don't know if any of you have ever heard yourself um, after it's been recorded. I hate it. I hate it. I, I like my voice right now, how I hear it, but then when I hear it recorded back, it's like, ooh, is that mean? <laughs> I got some voice quality issues. How you guys sit here every Sunday, I don't know. But but the reality is when it applies to this, you know, I, I can I can see from a distance who is walking. Even if their face isn't showing, there's a certain saunter. I can tell I can tell Nathan from from a distance. 
I can see, I, I know my wife's characteristics from a distance. I can hear her voice through rooms. Even if I don't know if she's in the house or the building, I know her voice. I, oh, I, I got it. But when it comes to being aware of my own voice, I am unfamiliar with it. Because we are, with these two eyes, we're watching everything going on. And for some reason, our ears aren't aware of what's going on. We're not even aware of what's internally going on because we've got this huge log that we're blind to. But Jesus is saying, listen, before you address that person, you first address you. You need to be a intimately acquainted with your own sin and your own depravity before you go out with a a surgeon's scalpel with this log in your eyeball trying to pick out their specks. Wouldn't that slow down how quickly we go into judgment mode if we were aware, oh man, here I go again. I know how they spend. Maybe I should address that issue in their life. But then you look at your own life and go, Man, how do I spend? Is my life in, in line with the judge in line with the gospel? What, what about how I steward my time? And how about how I steward my children? How about how I steward the gospel with my kids and with my neighbors, with my workplace, with all these people? How am I stewarding what God has given me? And I'm going to go judge them for buying a $5 latte every day? Come on, Paul, get over yourself. What about me? God, have mercy on me. Work on me, God. And as you see that sin in your life worked out, you can just say, hey, listen, can I tell you, I'm concerned because I see this going on in your life. I don't know all the details, but I'm concerned about you because I've struggled with that exact same issue in my life. And you know what? God has given me victory through the power of the gospel in that area of my life. And it's powerful. person is much quicker to hear when they know that your life is lining up with the gospel. Because this log that we carry around tends to knock people out as we talk to them. And everybody sees it, don't they? You know what my issues are, don't you? I'm not, this isn't an open forum, it's Rhetorical question. Uh, but you know what my issues are, yeah, Laura, especially you. You know? you know what my issues are. My prayer is that after a while, it's just a little toothpick of an issue as opposed to a whole log. And that my life has a certain amount of gospel integrity. And that when I speak to people about about family life issues, when I talk to people about uh, sexuality issues, when I talk to people about financial issues, when I talk to them about dating issues, when I talk to them about time issues, when I talk to them about how they, what words they use, they go, man, you, you got such an integrity with your life. And I know you're working in that log in your life. I trust you. Because I see God at work. So we need to attend to ourselves. We need to attend to ourselves first. 
and not be blind to our own sins. Then Jesus does this this strange thing at the end. Verse 6. So weird. I, I I didn't know, what do I do with this? Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. My first gut was, I'm going to just read over that quick and uh, say, Mothers, you wear pearls. Don't throw them to your children. I don't know what to do with this because this is just one of those odd... Jesus, was there... Did a dog run by? Did a pig? What, what is going on? Because this seems so out of context. It makes no sense. But what this is, is Jesus is just... He is using what is called instructive irony, where his intent is the opposite of his literal words. If I could paraphrase this section, can you throw it up there for me? It would be, if you view your criticism as pearls of wisdom and you toss them at those whom you consider to be swine, you see here the judgment? You're swine and dogs. Those dogs and swines will trample your wisdom and those, sorry, the swine will trample your wisdom and those dogs will perceive your attitude and turn and attack you. Jesus is saying, listen, your attitude has got to change. You perceive them as swine, unclean. He's talking to the Jewish people now. They're good kosher. You don't eat a pig. Throw your pearls of wisdom. Your pearls of wisdom to the pigs. He's going, you're a pig. So that attitude, get over you. Do you not realize it is by grace that you have been saved? There are no more pigs and dogs. Change your attitude towards people. Don't throw your pearls of wisdom. Because they're going to see your life and go, you're full of it. You treat me as a subhuman. Something unclean, and you're going to come and correct me? Who are you? People are perceptive. We are daily, called daily to be faithful with the gospel. And it requires us, it forces us, as we live into the gospel, it requires us to make judgments and assessments hearts of love. It requires us to make judgments and assessments about cloning, the justness of war, about gay marriage. It requires us to make uh, judgments and assessments about divorce.
it requires us to have make judgments and assessments about our finances and your finances. But it first comes out of the law of love. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law of love. You see, today, if we really live into this, it's going to get messier. Really. Because the first time that Paul Vroom comes to Jim Pacolic and says, hey, dude, I'm, I'm concerned about this. And if he, if he sees a log in my eye, I'm done with you. But if Jim trusts me, I'm able to speak the gospel into his life, you know what? All of a sudden, it's all going to come out. This and this area and this area and this area. And it's going to get messy over here. And then it's going to roll on over to Pat's life. Pat, I'm concerned about this. And, you know, I love you as a sister in Christ. My hopes are that this could happen, that you could be fully restored in this relationship. And Pat, and Pat just goes, I trust you. Oh, I hope that Paul, you know, how do we... And all of a sudden, her life just, it just comes out. And it's going to get messy. So if you're looking for a clean, nice, dainty church, wrong place. My hope is that we speak the truth in love to one another. And that we can be those, those Proverbs kind of people. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. We listen carefully and say, man... I trust you. I trust that you're, you're listening to God, that, the, that you're doing this out of a heart of love. And I'm going to listen to that advice. I'm going to, I'm going to take that reproof and, because it's prudent for me to hear those words of truth. And as painful as it is, I know that you love me and I'm going to, I'm going to turn. I'm going to repent. My hope is that we be those Proverbs wise people. Not the fools. We're together as we walk together. We become a city on a hill. It becomes fragrant because Christ is dwelling in us more and more and more fully. And we die to ourselves. Because the gospel is far more beautiful. Far more beautiful than my way, than my conscience. I'm dying to my wants, my needs. Let's pray. God, my my prayer this morning is that we become a people who on a daily basis love the gospel more and more. Where we attend to the, the inner cesspool of our lives. And we apply the gospel to every nook and cranny. 
Lord, that your, your light shines in our darkest places. And that there is personal and marital transformation. That there be workplace transformation. There be community transformation. County and statewide and national. Because we love the gospel. And it's a being applied on a daily basis. And God, I just pray that as the gospel is being deeply applied to our every area of our life, Lord, that you are glorified. God, there's areas in all of our hearts where we have been judgmental. We've been critical. We've put people into categories. Forgetting the cross. That while we were yet sinners, you died for us. God, pray. I pray that we live into the gospel in rich and powerful and new ways. That out of that, God, we are able to speak the truth in love to each other. And that we don't shy away from it. As we see the gospel transforming our lives, we, we boldly, with compassion, speak the truth in love to one another. And God, may that just be beautiful. God, may you be glorified in that. In the process, the end result, God, may you be glorified. And God, as we come to the communion table together, God, would you check our hearts? Because God, you know what? It's easy to ascribe to these things and to say, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. But God, would you change our hearts so that as we come, we remember the price that you've paid for us. That you died even for the judgmental. So God, hear our prayers this morning. Hear our confession. Pray this in Jesus' name.